Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Kevin Turner and this is the Autosport Podcast. So we've got a special mini-series this week uh, covering off each of the finalists for the Aston Martin Autosport BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award, uh, which uh, this year will provide £200,000 for the winner and various other goodies that uh, we won't talk about now because one of the finalists is here. It doesn't seem very, very fair. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll move swiftly on. So I'm delighted uh, to say that Oli Biermann, uh, Italian and German F4 champion, is joining us. How are you doing, Oli? Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, really happy to be here and, and looking forward to, uh, to a chat. Yeah, and you just won the German F4 Championship, haven't you, just a few days ago. So congratulations on that. I thought at one stage it was looking a bit shaky, but then you really sort of nailed it in the second race. Yeah, I, it was quite a tough first race. Um, I got some front wing damage and, and had to pit. Got quite lucky with the safety car. I managed to, to come back through and, and score some solid points. But, it, um, you know, the lead was was quite close after race one. But then I managed to, to open it up again by by winning race two. And from there, it was basically, I think, for race three, he had to... He had to win the race and me finish eighth. And basically by the first corner, I was already in third um, from eighth in reverse grid. So it was, uh, you know, pretty much sealed by then. Well, no one else has ever achieved that feat. So um, that's, uh, you know, congratulations to that. And I'm very pleased to say that my, uh, my, other, my other guest, my other special guest, is a, is a former winner of this award back in 2008. Seems a long time ago, doesn't it? But uh, I was a judge then as well. I must be even older. So I'd like to welcome Alexander Sims. How, how are you doing, Alexander? Hi, Kevin. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, yeah, as the years go by, it does seem longer and longer away and it's starting to get a bit a bit daunting, really, when I see the young guys coming through, but awesome to be here. 
Yeah, well, you haven't done too bad for yourself since then. You had a, had a reasonable career so far. No, it's, it's been great. I can't complain. But, um, yeah, with kids of my own now and um, the, it's, yeah, the, the age of, of the finalists this year particularly, I guess. Um, but, but in years gone by, you know, in the last three, four years I've been a judge and it's just been, it's been awesome to be a part of and, and see the young talent come through. It's, it's cool. Excellent stuff. Well, yes, on that point, Ollie is 16, so uh, there you go. So making us feel both very old. But anyway, enough of that. So let's let Ollie do some talking. So Ollie, first of all, just just tell us how you got interested in the sport, how you got started. You know, what why, why do you want to be a racing driver, basically? Yeah, so um, the interest in motorsport came mostly from my dad's side of the family. Um, so my, my dad was racing when he was younger and so was my uncle. Um and, and my granddad actually as well. So that's where the kind of the interest came from. I remember when I was younger, maybe four or five um, years old, I was at some racetracks like Donington. I remember going to Donington and, and Brands Hatch as well, um, watching them race. So I always found myself at racetracks, you know, smelling the, the burning rubber and, and the fumes and starting to, to, you know, fall in love with it. Um, and then, yeah, I think I was taking my first karting first time in a go-kart at Buckmore Park um my mum took me and we were just on that tiny little oval that was um right next to the main track um yeah and I was basically you know just driving and just practicing to go and stop um and then yeah from there I think I got a a go-kart for Christmas um so thanks Santa and then um yeah kind of never looked back since um it's got a bit more serious and a bit more expensive since then but um still loving every every moment and this year's been i mean pretty special right so as well as those two um those two titles that we talked about you're also obviously an award finalist for this and you seem to have had some interest from a certain famous f1 team as well ferrari so i mean you did you expect this or what did you imagine coming into this this season it must have surpassed all your expectations yeah, obviously the season has been the highlight of, of my career so far. It's been a, a really successful season. Um, it hasn't been without disappointments, but you know, overall we've had a really successful season. And it, it was always the goal. Um, you know, we we set out the clear goal to win the championship. Initially, it was just the Italian championship that that we were aiming for. Um, so we, I kind of had high expectations for myself, and the team had high expectations for for themselves as well. Um, but yeah, the the fact that you know we got to the halfway point of the season and I had, especially in the Italian Championship, quite a, a nice buffer. Um, you know, it started to feel a bit more real after that point, um, and the pressure was on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to to also be picked up by Ferrari. You know, they've they've seen the the potential, I guess, um, and it's really nice to have. Um, you know, after a successful season, the recognition, it's encouraging. And what was it that you said that the Italian F4, obviously with Van Amersfoort Racing, obviously one of the top teams in junior single seaters, and you were focusing on Italian F4. What, what, at what point and why did you go, actually, we can do the, we can do German F4 and go for that title as well? Well, the, the focus was always Italian F4 with selected rounds in the German Championship, um, just because they race at tracks like Zandvoort, um, Hockenheim, tracks that I could be racing at in the future. So, um, yeah, we decided to, to, we started off with selected rounds. You know, we did the first round at Red Bull Ring and I took the most points from that, that weekend. Um, two wins and I think I retired in the reverse grid race. Um, through no fault of my own, I would like to add. But yeah, uh, then we went to, to 
Zandvoort, I think, was the second round. And I also won both the, the first two races. And I think I got up to fourth in the reverse grid race. So, you know, from there, I was leading the championship. And it would be rude not to, you know. Um, we It was quite tough because not our team was the only team that really committed to... Um, to the the full double campaign so we missed out on some testing for both championships so we never got to go to Monza we never got to go to Mugello um we never got to go to Saxonring or Hockenheim um so you know we missed out on quite a lot of that but that's kind of the sacrifice we had to make to make and um yeah we we reap the rewards of you know doing both um with a lot of work away from the track um I'm happy to be sitting here and, and it having paid off because I think, you know, if we committed to both and then ended up losing both, it wouldn't have been really uh, worthwhile. But yeah, now we can be uh, we can be really happy. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly grabbed it grabbed the attention. Obviously, those those two are regarded as the the highest of the F four championships, and that got you selected for this award, um, which meant simulator tests, fitness tests, and then the two days at Silverstone. So, before I go back to Ollie Alexander, when uh, when you're looking through all the data from the runs, from the sims, from the fitness, what what key things are you looking out for so that we can so that we can pick you know pick the winner. Um, well, I think at that stage, when we get the information back about the, the simulator and, and fitness tests, it's starting to build a picture. We get that information before the, the driving on track at Silverstone. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating to, to see how the guys yeah, work in, in a professional simulator environment, how they've obviously committed to their, their physical preparation uh, for their racing. Um, and yeah, it, it starts, to, as I say, starts to build a picture. To, to prepare us for, for what's to come on, on track. And then on track, of course, uh, it's the Garage 59 uh, run Aston Martin GT3 Vantage, BBM Sport, Ginetta LMP3 car, and of course the Motorsport Vision uh, Formula 2 cars, uh, which have done sterling service for the award over the years. So, so Ollie, over to you. What, what, uh, well, was there a particular car that you enjoyed more than the others or a particular car you found more tricky than the others? Yeah, for me, I really, first of all, I really look forward to the challenge of driving the LMP3 and the GT3. Um, you know, the F2 car, although it's a huge step up from the F4, it's, um, it's you know, a bit more close to home, I'd say, than the, than the LMP3 and the GT3. Um, so I was really looking forward to, you know, at the end of the day, it's still got four wheels and, and steering wheel and pedals, but it's, um, you know, it's quite a different way of, of driving those two cars compared to, to what I'm used to, so... I really was looking forward to driving those and just seeing, you know, you see a lot of them in, in endurance racing and guys doing three-hour stints in those cars. So I was, um, you know, really looking forward to getting a taste of that and it could be something that that could open a door in the future um, if, if that is the case. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed driving the GT3 especially because, you, you know, the, just the weight, although it's it was the slowest lap time, it was probably the most rewarding to drive. Um and the LMP3 in the high speed, it has a lot of grip, a lot of downforce. So that was um, that was also a pretty nice car. But you can't you can't ignore the F2. Obviously, it was um, it was mega. I really enjoyed. So to be honest, I can't really pick a, a favorite car. They were all just as good as each other, really. Yeah, that's fair enough. And of course, you had for the Aston Martin and the Ginetta, you had uh, benchmark drivers. Um, which you were able to say, obviously, it was Johnny Adam in the Aston Martin and Charlie Robertson, another former finalist in the in the Ginetta, but you didn't have one in the F2 car. That was a get in and get on with it for a day and a half. 
Um, so, so yeah, how much did you use the the those those benchmark drivers? Was it was it useful, or was it more about what you were doing in the car and with your with your engineer and the data? To be honest, like um, there wasn't really much in the way of data analysis in, in that car. We only really got twelve or fifteen laps, I think, in in each of them. So it was more about just you know extracting the maximum and, and doing your best. Um, and I tried to use the, the benchmark drivers as, as well as I could to um, you know just ask questions because there's quite a lot of systems on the on the GT3 and the LMP3 that, that we don't have um, in, in single seaters like the the TC and the ABS. Um, so I was yeah just just asking um, because you know it doesn't hurt to ask and just asking for their advice and opinions on on anything um, because it could never hurt to to know more. So yeah, it, they're quite good guys to talk to as well. Um, just about racing in general. So yeah, we spent we spent a lot of time together. I think all the drivers did um, prior to our runs, just just chatting really and and getting whatever knowledge we could. Now that's one thing I've got to ask you. Uh, I might throw it to Alexander as well to see what it was like in his year. So obviously we keep all the lap times from you, from each other. So you've got the benchmark and an A time, your own time to compare, but you're not allowed to see, you're not supposed to see the other finalist times. Um, but we quite often see these days the finalists talking to each other. So what kind of banter is there? Do you kind of say, oh yeah, I did this time. Do you lie a bit or, or do you just talk about something else and, and kind of keep your cards close to your chest? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this year it was we all kind of knew each other quite well. Um, I, my paths had crossed with with Johnny and Zach um, in in previous years in racing, so we kind of knew each other quite well. Um, and it was, to be honest, it was a really cool experience, and also to spend time with them and, and talk about their experiences in racing. Um, but to be honest, I think the, the subject of lap times, we just kind of stayed clear of it. Um, I I don't think it was actually mentioned once, which was maybe for the better, um, just to. You know, obviously it's super competitive, but nobody knows anything. So, um, yeah, we didn't actually mention it once, which I think was quite nice. Um, we were just talking about, you know, our seasons and, and stuff like that, which was uh, just as cool. Uh, that's interesting because we have had at least one finalist before who's jumped out and walked along the back of the F2 cars to see if they can see the times on the steering wheel. So we've had to get keen on that. So Alexander, do you remember when you were a finalist? Obviously, they didn't. we didn't have the F2 cars, but did you talk with the other finalists about times or did you just keep yourself to, to yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't actually talk to many of the finalists at all <laughs> about anything. I was really antisocial back in my day. Um <laughs> So no, I, I didn't know a thing about what any lap times anyone had done. Um, I, I sort of, when I was doing the award myself, felt that it would be frowned upon to to investigate what others had done. Um, obviously, you, I realise now that kind of it just depends on the dynamic of the group of drivers, right? Like some some years we've had it where the guys are just super happy to chat and they seem to share more information than. Uh, than I would have done. That's certainly true. Um, and and so yeah, we can't stop conversations from happening. But it seems that um, it goes differently every single year. Um, in my day, I, I said nothing. But um, I can think of a couple of years where it's. I would guess that going into the award tonight, they had a bit of an understanding where some of them stood amongst the others. So. Um, yeah, it changes, but it's it's, it's nice that um, Ollie's saying that they kept themselves to themselves in terms of lap times because it's always good going into the awards night knowing that 
I don't actually know who's won. It's cool. <laughs> uh, well, that does bring me very nicely to my next question, which was, so, Ollie, how do you feel it went? Are you pleased with the way it went? Uh, are there anything that you kind of think, oh, that annoying, or are you, are you happy that you left all your everything on the table and that, and that you couldn't have done any more? Yeah, to be honest, I felt like I left everything on the track, really. Um, there's not much else I could do. I, th- I feel like maybe I, I didn't really get the maximum out of the GT3 car, but um, I'm not really sure it's, you know, the main grounds of the the judging. I think it's really more based on the F2 car. Um, so, yeah, for me in the F2 car and the LMP3 car, I did, did my absolute best, and, and that's all I can do, really. Um, so we'll find out in a, in a month or so whether it was enough or not. But Alexander, it is remarkable how often the sort of standout run of any given year is in the sort of the non-single seater um, because it's such limited uh, limited lap time. And of course, we, we quite often have nervous looking benchmark drivers uh, standing with the stopwatch and checking the lap times and... Uh, uh, obviously, you've been there on both sides of the uh, both sides of that equation. So, are you impressed at how close the young guys get to the benchmark, sort of quite regularly, really these days? Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary, really, how how good these guys are at such a young age in in cars that they've got no experience of. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been benchmark driver. I can't even think when in a McLaren GT3 car. 2013 I think I want to say yeah um and Charlie Robertson actually was one of the finalists and I remember he was a tenth off me and I was like well I drive these cars day in day out um and this guy's just jumped in I think he the closest he'd got to a GT car was like Ginetta Juniors and I was like oh my god like I've got to question my own career basically like I thought I was doing a sensible job but this guy's within 15 laps got within a tenth of me um and yeah it's just it's just super impressive um they're they're very alien cars coming from single seaters i think um very alien environments when you've got this sort of curved screen in front of you vision is difficult you can't tell whether you're locking up very easily um it's it's just a lot of stuff that's different along with as as ollie mentioned that the abs and, and traction control systems and yeah, they just jump in, a few laps, get a feeling for it, right, okay, that's the limit, boom, let's get some new tyres and, and get on with it. It's um, it's really, really cool to watch. Yeah, it is very, it is, it is cool to watch. I mean, Ollie, did you get a chance to do much preparation for the awards in terms of looking up about the other cars? Because you were pretty busy right up until, right up until you rocked up at Silverstone. Yeah, I mean, the day before the award, I was actually in Hockenheim um, for a race weekend and before that, I think it was a triple header, the, the third one being Hockenheim. And I think I had a race weekend. Yeah, I did. I went straight from, from Silverstone to Monza. So I was super busy. I had no time to um, to, to do any simulator or anything apart from the, the Mercedes one. But I did find time to, um, to uh, yeah, look at some, some onboards of GT3 cars and, and the LMP3 car. Um, did what I could. Obviously, YouTube, it's not an exhaustive list. But um, I, I also found the... Um, the owner's manual of the Ginetta LMP3 car, um, just for a bit of late night reading. Um, but yeah, I, I did as much prep as I could really. There's not so much you can do when, the, you know, especially with the F2 car, it's such an old car. Um, and also when they did race, they raced on different tyres, so that, that makes quite a big difference. And they raced on the old Silverstone layout too. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's actually from a judging point of view, one of the benefits is it's a car that we know that none of the finalists will have driven 
Uh, so it's quite. It's not. There's going to be secret testing like back in Alexander's day when there were F3 cars. You know, we could never be 100 percent sure that some of the finalists didn't nip off and to Pembury and do a, a Carlin F3 test or something. So, yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of the uh, of the F2 machines. Really, what's next for you? What's uh, so you've won your two championships. You couldn't really have had a better year in in 2021. Obviously, with the December the 19th pending. Um, apart, but apart from that, so what what we, what can we expect from Ollie Beerman in, in 2022? Obviously, I've signed with with FDA, which is um, you know they're kind of dictating my my career. It's not so much up to me and my management anymore. But um, yeah, I, at the start of November, the first of November to the third of November was the postseason test in Valencia, um, and I did three days of Prema, which was uh, yeah, a really cool experience and and good prep for next year. Should I race in F three? Um, but yeah, for me, there's only really two options would be uh, FIF3 or Formula Regional. Um, it's the only two logical steps within single seaters. And it's it, again, it's good prep because, you know, all the tracks I've raced on an F4, I mean, apart from Bahrain, obviously it's on the F3 calendar. And all the tracks I've raced on an F4 will also be on the regional calendar. So it's less of a, you know, step into the unknown, whichever championship I do end up driving in. Fair enough. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, Thank you very much. That was uh, that's, uh, Ollie Beerman. Uh, he's one of our four finalists for this year's Aston Martin Allsort BRDC Award. And we'll be talking to each of the finalists uh, over the next uh, few days. But um, thanks very much for your time, Ollie. I hope the wait until 19th of December isn't too long and you've got other things you can focus on. And Have you got any more driving coming up before then? Yeah, I think I have a few testing, a few tests, but not really sure when. But um, I'm sure there'll be a few test days in the book somewhere um keep me occupied and, and not thinking too much about that uh that date but uh, yeah it's also nice to get some rest and, and recover because it's been a busy season yeah absolutely yeah and alexander do you remember what you felt like on the night uh going to the uh did you feel confident or were you sort of trying to put it out of your mind what was your approach I just remember feeling pretty numb, actually, not being massively present uh, mentally. I was just sort of just getting through the awards and trying not to think about it too much. Um, and, and on the awards night, actually, I, I do particularly remember getting a bigger sense than I expected of how big the award was. You know, that the, the whole awards evening was building up to this event and it, it felt almost like the the young driver award was the main event really um which i hadn't anticipated it was hadn't been to the autosport awards before that night um and yeah that was that was only adding to the nerves it didn't help things but um obviously then thankfully when i won it was a uh, yeah massive jubilation it was awesome yeah absolutely yeah no it's um it's a night i always look forward to but i always do spare a thought for the finalists because it must be must be quite a, a challenge to sit through the whole night and waiting for your for your moment and hoping so um hopefully ollie you get to enjoy uh, some of the night uh before the announcement and uh, get to, to to chill out a little bit before then so thank you very much to uh, ollie beerman for joining us thank you alexander sims as well and thank you the listeners for tuning in we'll be back soon with another autosport podcast
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.